Welcome to Rebels with a Purpose, powered by the voices of Catapult X, who are mobilizing capital, technology, people, and heart to solve the world's biggest challenges. In this podcast, we pose five questions to leaders who are changing the world and its systems. I'm your host, Kate Byrne, CEO of Catapult X. Technology, friend or foe? We're going to explore the role of technology, more specifically quantum computing, and how it would change the world if more people had access to it. Rebel with a purpose, William Hurley, aka Worley, is the founder and CEO of StrangeWorks, general partner at Ecliptic Capital, an innovator in residence at MIT. He's a successful entrepreneur several times over, and he believes it could change education and life as we know it forever. Will William Worley! <laughs> so good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kate. It's good to see you as well. How are you doing today? Awesome. I'm doing really well, thanks. And I'm super excited about this conversation. And for some, it may seem daunting. And that's kind of the purpose, really, is to show quantum computing can be undaunting and fun for all. But before we go into that, will you please share the path and your journey to how you got to where you are? I always like to start with that because I think there's this misunderstanding that people think, oh my gosh, everyone who does these amazing things, is, it's so linear. And it's, I mean, I like to think it's not because I certainly wasn't, but do tell. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, of course, wanted to be a musician. I was a touring musician and got into a bad car accident on Friday the 13th in 1991. And that sidelined me and the band moved on without me. And that was how I started getting into both tech and entrepreneurship. I uh, took the insurance money and built a little studio that was a digital recording studio back in 1991, 92, so a long time before digital. So maybe maybe too far ahead on that one. Uh, but but that's how I learned how to how to program Lingo, which was a scripting language in, in Macromind Director way back in the day. And that led to eventually my job, first job at Apple, which was just answering phones Thanks for calling Apple. This is William. How can I help you? And uh, from there, you know, a series of good fortunes and a lot of hard work. I moved from into Apple R and D, and then from Apple R and D to IBM uh, Research and and other areas. And and then, of course, in 2010, decided I was tired of the big corporate thing, and I would only do startups from uh, from now on. And so that was kind of the path to uh, the first startup, which was acquired by uh, Accenture, and then a spin out that was acquired by Zynga. And of course, my last startup, which was acquired on its one-year anniversary by Goldman Sachs. And so now doing it again, but as we've been more successful, we've started going further and further into the future and deeper and deeper into the tech to try to do things that will really, really benefit society as a whole and, and really help make the improve the human condition, if you will. That's really cool because you know, we, we were recently talking to Pradhan about that very thing, you know, and I had a question for him. What is it like being such a forward thinker? One, I would think it would be lonely, but I think also when you're, when someone has to be looking out on that horizon and figuring out long-term what's going to happen, because I think, uh, especially in financial systems, we see so many, so much short-term thinking, which results in just a bad long-term. Yeah. I mean, look, that's a, that's a great point. I think for me, it's, it's really, 
uh, predicting the future is a fool's game, right? So it's like, you know, the best way to predict it is to build it. So we want to see this quantum future. We want to see these things going on. So we're just trying to actively get engaged. I don't know that it's lonely on that frontier. I think it, if you're pushing the envelope and it's lonely, it's because you haven't found the right community. Uh, because one of the things I've learned over my career is there's always a thousand people that have these same ideas, right? Like like Elon Musk is not the only person that's thought of going to Mars, nor uh, is thinking about it now, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, probably most like if I was betting, I'd bet on SpaceX to do that, obviously. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a fan, but, but you know, that's, that's a, an example. With Quantum, you know, I'm on a Telegram group with 20, 30 other quantum CEOs that are that are all believe the same thing I do and and we found each other. Now everybody's not sharing everything, but we do share some things, right? We do share the ability to uh to kind of like have this stuff uh, uh, be more commonplace in our community, which makes it easier to be trying to do those big leaps and that big vision and get other people to believe in it. You need some density. You need some community to make these things come true. Same thing, SpaceX, you know, even within SpaceX, there's eight, nine, 10,000 employees almost at this point, all with that mission. So building the future, always the way to go, but collaborating on the future, a really big thing for me. Like. There's no one company, no one org that's going to do any of these big things that we're talking about. Um, I was going to say moonshot there, but I guess you can't say that anymore. I guess we have to update our terminology, say like a Mars shot or whatever. Mars shot. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no. Um, one, what a fascinating time to be at Apple, actually. Everything that's everything that was going on there, they were a longtime client of mine back in my, my media days at Business Week and at Fast Company at Inc. Um, fascinating times. Collaboration, absolutely true. And I think that's going to be the imperative skill moving forward. That and, dare I say, humility <laughs> that allows yeah. right, for massive, um, for quantum collaboration, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think that goes across any deep tech area. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, actually, before I ask that question, I have to ask just a personal question. I, I'm dying to know. What was your instrument that you played? Oh, so I play several instruments, but I'm primarily a bass player, electric bass. Oh, nice. Which I have to say, since I know actual bass players who are like, no, this is a bass. <laughs> <laughs> no, cool. That's great. All right. So now talk a little bit about the work at Strange Works, because I think it's really an interesting idea. The whole notion, to your point, building out a community, you've, you've in essence, as I understand, build a, a community platform, right? So that all of everybody ideally can really kind of share resources. It can become more efficient. We can help solve those big, deep problems faster, right? Yeah, the idea, you know, StrangeWorks originally started uh, as a, a gleam in my eye, if you will. And the idea was I needed a retirement job. So I'd done startups, I'd exited them, I'd been really successful. It was time for me to do something that would really change the world. The, the, the way I like to tell it is when we first got into mobile, that was like a company for fun and profit. And it was all models and bottles. We all loved it. Everybody had a good time. Uh, but we weren't really doing good in the world, right? Like we built the Starbucks app and the American Idol app and, and even the daily for Steve Jobs and Rupert Murdoch, which was an insane collaboration. So, so many cool experiences, but you're not really making the world a better place with that. So with Honest Dollar, we're trying to be kind of the hero founders because it's not just me, right? I've got a team that's worked together for quite a while. And 
We're trying to be those founders that like did some good in the world. The average American has a $400 expense. They're insolvent. Okay. So that, you know, how do we help with that? And when we transacted to Goldman, we realized, you know, the fact is you're going to need a bigger infrastructure to change the world, right? We needed to pair what we had done with what Goldman had to actually be able to affect things in the way we wanted. And so that was kind of interesting, you know, first one's for fun and profit, second one's that mythical entrepreneur, you find out that's not really true. All those, all those, you know, my joke on stage, Kate, with, with all the respects, I'm always, because I always pick on Fast Company because I love them, but, I, but I'm always like, these, all these magazines, they're like, they're like romance novels for startup geeks, right? Oh, like you read the story and I'm like, I just made a gajillion. Right, exactly. And I'm just like, wait a second, that didn't work no that sweat. way at all, did it? Right. But, but so the third one, this is really where we're like, listen, we want to get into something that's really going to affect the world. And so I had three choices. I had a biotech, robotics and quantum that's what was in my head and robotics we've seen boston dynamics get sold and resold and sold and sold. there's wonderful stuff happening in robotics and the, the new tesla bot very interesting but i don't think it was quite the right time you know several years ago when i started biohacking so many issues around the world with different regulatory restrictions i had just gotten out of a regulated heavily regulated industry i didn't want to jump into another one <laughs> so quantum seemed like the right thing and and the reason it seemed like the right thing is it seemed like the right technology at the right point in time with the right need we need to address environmental issues on the planet we need to eradicate things like cancer we need to have better material sciences to make journeys to mars and jupiter and beyond and so this just seemed like the best way and i also wanted a long-term plan but the way i started it was as a linux foundation project as an open source project to openly invite everybody to participate and when i got seven quantum companies together in san francisco they were all like, you know, F you, no F you, no F you, like our way is better. And nobody wanted to work together. So I said, well, you know, out of frustration, I'll just start a company and build the same thing anyway. And that's how Strangeworks was born. Battle of Egos and what happened after. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So to that end, if you're looking back over the last five years, what have been some of the biggest surprises to you? There's three big surprises. Number one, the amount of funding, which is just insane. You're seeing rounds that are huge. The second surprise is the amount of down rounds. So you've got this area that's really hot, a lot of money's coming into it, yet people are being extra diligent in the way they evaluate the investment opportunities. And that's forced some of these companies to do rounds that are that are lower, right? They're down rounds. Right. So it's a, it's a weird paradox to be like, well, there's all this money, yet people are being extra judgy about where to put it. And at the same time, I think, you know, the biggest surprise, is, the third one is how many companies have went public through whatever means, right? You have a company called QCI that was a beverage company that reverse merged with a science team, and they were the first publicly traded company. Then you've got, uh, you know, uh, obviously IMQ has used a SPAC. You've got several others globally that have SPAC'd probably eight to 10 uh, publicly traded quantum companies uh, to hit the market between now and the end of the year. And that's super interesting because here's my big surprise, the short sellers, as I predicted, if there's too much hype and too much money and you take it public, then the short sellers are waiting, right? And last week, just last week, there was a new meme called Church of the Ion Q, which is a Reddit group, of course, and we all saw what happened with AMC and everything. So I can already predict 
I don't think they're going to build the IFQ stock up, right? I, I think they're going to be trying to take it down. And the surprise in all of this is that, you know, quantum is in this superposition, right? It's not a one or a zero. It's a probability, a probabilistic state of, of being one or the other. And this market is kind of following its namesake and kind of like it's in this weird state of there's a ton of money, but there's down rounds. Tons of money flowing in, but not enough. We got to go public. Oh, by the way, there's people waiting to make those public ones down rounds. So like the funding and the side of it has been like shocking in the amount of um, chaos uh, that it's seeing across the board. Right. Well, so what hasn't happened yet that you thought was going to? And on the flip side, what happened faster than you thought? I'm not going to lie. I was hoping there would be better quantum proofs at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, Google came out and said it had quantum supremacy. Scott Aronson came out and said, I don't think so. And a bunch of people debated it. Now we're looking for what we call quantum advantage, which is a little bit more well-defined uh, as far as what can a quantum computer do that a classical machine doesn't do in the time we want? You hear a lot of misconceptions around that, but the reality is these machines aren't making the cat video in, uh, you know, faster on the internet. They're solving a problem that a normal computer would take millions of years to get to the evaluation time, and they're doing it in you know hours, maybe seconds, maybe days, but it's incredibly faster. So I thought because of all of the influx of money and researchers, we right. would have better defined some of the problem space and had like a win, frankly. And we've seen some wins published, but Microsoft has retracted papers. Uh, Google has kind of toned down the quantum supremacy. And, and these people aren't like trying to go out and lie about the technology. This is incredibly hard stuff. And there's so many different interested parties that when you say we've done this, it's very hard to find everybody to say, yes, you have, right? There's always the, the, the other side of that. So that's been surprising that we haven't found that, that pure example that, that can really kind of ignite the quantum flame, if you will, uh, right. to drive us through the rest of this decade. Right. How can we get people more comfortable and also embracing something like quantum? Well, I'm going to say not only just quantum computing, but just technology in general. We know that all these changes are going to be requiring technology of some sort. And I think there's so much fear based. How can we, 100%. right? How can we get that trust that this is happening for you, not to you? And oh, by the way, it's not, we've been talking about this for a while. So get on board. There's a way to, you know, to upskill, right? Look, that, that's a huge issue, right? And, and, and yeah. as you get in these really deep tech areas, the separation gets further. So if you talk about, you know, 20 years ago, uh, somebody working with Word as a word processing thing and learning Word and Excel and stuff as a skill, there's a big delta between that and being like programming a quantum computer. But that's what we're seeing, right? Like a lot of the startups that people are excited about that are driving, they're things like quantum computing and space travel. And these are big, hard topics. So when you talk about upskilling, there's legitimate barriers, right? Uh, yeah. You know, I have a friend who helps coal miners learn how to develop software. And so it's like, that's great. And, they, and, and they're building websites and doing all this cool stuff. Probably not going to do quantum. Probably not going to program the rocket for SpaceX. Not that they could, not that they couldn't develop those skills. Just that like, you know, my team is incredibly good at software. And every day there's a new challenge that is just like, wow. Because space exploration, quantum, the biotech stuff we're doing these are these are areas we've never went into let alone went into in the way that we're approaching them today i mean think about that 
Think about the things that we do today that we take a granted. Don't think about hundreds of years ago. Think of 20, 30 years ago where people would have been like, what, you do your banking on your phone? That's insane, right? Like 30 years ago, people would have laughed you out of the room. You know, and you're like, do my banking. It's how I found my spouse and got married and I bought a car and it was delivered, you know? So, so the way I look at it is, you know, in 1963, when the microprocessor came out, and Jack introduced that no one was thinking about autonomous vehicles or AI or robots or any of these things. Now with quantum coming out, it's the same problem. So I love SpaceX and what it's doing with, with, with showing people that. I love some of the new automotive stuff that's going on. I love a lot of the Boston Dynamics, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, yeah. So there's all these cool companies and people can kind of get it, but they're not going to work in it. And here's quantum, which has no quantum workforce which will take years to come into being where now people could actually prepare. There are people who could start that journey now and in three, four, five years be very relevant in, in you know, some areas of quantum, right? They're not gonna be building the, the computers or whatever, but they could be driving that quantum economy. They could be helping as part that, of that democratization of this field. Exactly, and they can start seeing the use cases or the potential use cases. This is one of the things I tell both my daughters who are early in their careers and they're so concerned, oh my gosh, am I going to get it right? And I keep saying, what you're going to do in the long run doesn't even exist right now, right? I mean, That's think exactly about right. I mean, think about our lifetimes. I was yeah. sitting in a classroom in school when the space shuttle blew up, which effectively almost ended the space program. And now in the coast of Texas, I'm in Austin, there is about to be potentially this week, the largest object in history launched in the air and potentially will come right back down and land itself. That's an extremely huge technological gap from, you know, a heat shielding can cause an explosion and one of the biggest tragedies in the history of space, right? And then just not even that much longer, you know, we're watching rockets land themselves on platforms in the ocean. Right. I mean, just think like that Delta. Well, the same way, think about computing at that same time. It was like TI-99 4As and you still had pocket calculators. And now it's like we're about to take quantum and go beyond anyone's possible uh, ability to fathom how much this changes the computing fabric and the computing landscape. And just like in 1963, yeah, the microprocessor bought us all these new things. What will quantum bring us? I'm not interested in quantum solving today's problems. I'm interested in what are the trillions of dollars of opportunity? What are the new science fiction that now becomes science fact because of this technology? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love that phrase, science fiction, that becomes science fact. So to that end, what do you think is a reality today that will not be in five years? Well, I think, I mean, I could be wrong on this. And, I have some very famous mentors that, that I often harass because, you know, there's that one thing on their wiki where they were like, you know, oh, that'll <laughs> never happen. <laughs> right? So as I've learned, just don't make predictions. But, but I would say this, look, I think in five years right now, people think quantum computing could still be 20 years away. And already we have pharma companies using it, finance companies. Using it. Like it's changed so much in the last three years that I think it will be in five years, almost ubiquitous in mm. certain industries. And so I think that'll change. And one of the things that hasn't happened, I think will happen in five years is we'll have that quantum advantage proof. Once that happens, the curve is gonna go, it's gonna look almost like a wall. So really, really excited about those two things happening. 
Yeah, I agree with you because I can still remember when I was um, working with Microsoft and going and seeing when Bill Gates had built his sample smart home. And everyone's like, that's crazy. And hello, now people all right, today, right. Of it's like, that's never going to happen. Yeah. I mean, think about the Apple tags, right? I got in a, a car accident recently. I'm fine, but my car is, is not fine. And I borrowed a friend of mine's car. So we were driving and this tag is going, dee, 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 dee. and I didn't know the sound, but I was like, what is that sound? Think about this. There is now a device. There's a little one inch circle that you can be like, oh, I lost my keys. That can guide you to your keys within centimeters, right? Just like they're in a couch cushion or whatever that you can also throw into a car to track your son. Also, the tech is so smart. It says, hey, somebody could be tracking you. Like, what, a, what, you know, think about when I used to sneak out from my parents, like what oh. an insane world we live in. There's like a technological battle. The new technological battle space is between parents and teenagers. And both of them are, you know, Apple and, and other companies are the arms dealers, right? <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. I'm just sitting there thinking about tracking your kids. Okay. Um, so in your mind, what are the, the most important things that we should really be thinking about right now? You can pick three. Number one, I said this at Catapult, and maybe it was, it was you know, not received in the way I intended, but look, I'm all about going to Mars, but we have to fix stuff here as well, right? Um, yes. You know, part of Elon's goal in going to Mars is that we're multi-planetary because there could be a civilization-ending catastrophic event. But, you know, we're already creating our own events here with the environment and everything we're doing to it. So, you know, it can't be one or the other. It has to be both. Like, we travel to other planets and set up other colonies. But, by the way, we don't know the, all of the dangers of those as well, right? So, we, we've got one good stable base should really take care of it. So, one, the environment is, is absolutely big. I think people talk about it, but it's not about being aware of it. It's about being involved in it somehow. Number yep. two is we have to work on peacekeeping activities right like what like we have to create a more collaborative global infrastructure you're talking about private companies now being able to work to go to mars being able to build quantum computers that will bring untold unbelievable technological changes yet uh we can't do regulatory stuff right i mean, I mean as an example within a country let alone across countries so right. you know who's gonna you know, are we going to fight over Mars when Elon lands? Like, is he going to say this belongs to the United States? Or are we going to say, actually, space treaty doesn't apply. SpaceX owns Mars. Like, there's so many things. So I think we're approaching a, a moment in time where technology is outpacing all of the systems we have to manage it from the regulatory and ethical and legal. I think that's super big, as important as the environment to me. But, you know, environment's always going to be number one. And the last thing is we are not educating our kids and preparing them for the future, right? We are doing a horrible, horrible job of not learning the lessons that you just mentioned, Kate, a few minutes ago, where you're like, well, this used to be that way. And then now it's like changed so much. What do you think is going to, I have a 25 year old who is going to see people land on Mars in his lifetime and live there, right? Like he's going to see there's two yeah. planets now. He's probably going to see a space war. Because unfortunately, we're still humans, right? Um, yeah. But, but, but you know, part. what are my four and five year old going to see? What is their future? I mean, can you imagine they're four and five, and we're talking about putting colonies on Mars, we're talking about quantum computing, bringing cures to disease, and doing all these things? We've got all of these amazing things going on. I mean, they're five. What happens when they're 50? 
like me, right? Like it's going to be insane. So I think that's something we really, really need to, to, to pay attention to. And I really think that's true. The piece about the technology outpacing um, and all the systems being broken. And the point is rather than just doing, okay, hurry up and quick fix. Uh, we're we're going to have to like take the time to really answer the questions. Not just here's a workaround, here's an outsource, here's a let's just yeah. not talk about that because it doesn't look the way we want it to. Okay, you're nailing it. You're nailing it. I mean, think about security. So everybody's worried that quantum computing is going to break encryption. Here's the deal: the way we do security is we build a wall, you tear it down, we build a bigger, higher, stronger wall, right? So that's a bad way to do security in the first place. All right. And so we're going to reach a point where a quantum computer of some amount of physical qubits will be able to break an RSA key. And when that happens, the benefit will be, and people are already working on post-quantum cryptography and things like that, but the benefit will be that we will have to rethink security and we'll have to actually put the work in instead of it just being patch after patch after patch. Remember when Vint Cerf and everybody else was at CERN uh, and they and the internet came into being and people were like email and spam came, we never thought of spam, right? We never built security in. So security has been one of those afterthoughts you just described in my opinion. And quantum is definitely gonna make us have to rethink that and refocus our attention on it. Exactly and really think it through. I think we spend so much time overthinking the stuff that is just so dumb and underthinking the biggest pieces. And that's how we've gotten into the situation we are right now. And all of our systems have become so calcified, Uh, right? It seems to me. One of the things that's become really evident is it's great for people to talk and hear and learn and listen, et cetera. But more and more people really want to roll their sleeves up and become part of the solution and really want to take action. So what would be an action, a rallying cry that you would love people to take on? I think people just need to, to educate themselves on all of the things we're talking about for quantum computing We've released a free resource at quantumcomputing.com. You can go and log in and read about experiments and learn about them and play with them. I I think, look, as a rallying cry, just be aware that it's coming because 2023 is going to be like 1923. And I think there's going to be this big boom. Instead of the industrial revolution or the information revolution we saw at the advent of, you know, microprocessing and computers and stuff, this is going to be a quantum revolution. Quantum mechanics comes into uh, telecommunications as a way of using teleportation and encryption. It comes into uh, material sciences, uh, you know, through the stuff we're doing with quantum computing. It comes into sensors. So we have different sensors, sensors that can pick up, you know, signals in your body that that a MRI can't pick up, sensors that can pick up things in the environment or things in a manufacturing process. So whether you want to or not, quantum mechanics and quantum information systems are coming and, and, and I feel like it's just like the internet and everybody right now is the CEO of Barnes and Noble saying, yeah, 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 we'll wait to see how that looks. We don't need a website, right? <laughs> and, and, and I think, you know, I just like everybody to look, you know, I'm not trying to tell you to go get a PhD in physics, but like be aware of it, look at what the possibilities are, keep up to it because it's going to be this tremendous change. And you know what's going to happen? If you don't pay attention, the same systematic 
things that we see of who's involved and who wins and who does and all, it's just going to continue to perpetuate. Now is the time to hit a big reset button. There's this big shift in computing, the first shift away from von Neumann architectures, and everybody as of right now can participate. Give it another two years, some of those doors will close. Another five years, a lot of those doors will close. So right. I'd like to see as many new people come to this as possible. And I think it's uh, break the system. It's now the chance where we can really kind of intervene and really change that. I've learned a bit about quantum physics just from energy work, right? Coming from a line right. of healers and such. So I'm wondering if the whole notion too, that everything's energy, everything's connected, perhaps that's the way that per people will now be able to become more involved in, in the environment. Maybe they'll start thinking about it. I mean, climate's such an unfortunate out of you know sight, out of mind kind of thing for the majority of the people on the planet, right? Like you see a mudslide in Chile, you see a fire in Australia, whatever, and it's like tragic. And then, you know, we've, we've created our, our society around tech to receive so much information so fast. It's not that you don't care. It's like there's another bigger tragedy five seconds later. There's another thing that happens over here. And so the thing that we lack is a consistency. And of course, the enemy of consistency and of constantly building this collaborative process and all is what? Convenience. It's not convenient to meet with you right now and do the interview. It's not convenient to... And as you see, the attention spans getting smaller and the focus on convenience being much, much greater, that takes us further away from getting that civic engagement, that involvement uh, to yeah. me and not, not further in the right direction. So I think it's really about, you know, my kids have iPads. They hadn't seen them for three weeks until yesterday. It's not that I don't want them to have them. I don't want them to be technological Luddites. And obviously, I think there's advantages to them having those and, and learning via those. Uh, but you still have to make sure you're building, you know, little well-rounded humans. And part of that is being collaborative, being consistent, like really minding your word, setting expectations, right? All of those things. We don't even have time. I mean, you know, I, uh, I had a friend who got divorced recently went on Tinder, he had a hundred Tinder dates, okay, in the first like weekend here in Austin. He's got a hundred people that were like, I will go out with you. Just think about, again, these, you know, we talked about space shuttle blew up, SpaceX is heading to Mars. We talked about 1963, you know, microprocessor invented quantum computing, like that plus, 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 plus times, 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 right? But even things like dating used to be like, hey, do you know anybody I'm dating? Or maybe you met somebody in the street. It's like now there's a hundred how, how are you even, I mean, thank God I'm married. How are you even supposed to process that? Like, how do you pick where to start out of a hundred inbound inquiries to go on a date? And that's what convenience, which is a really, really dangerous thing has brought through technology is like, now I just click a button and I get food delivered. I hop on an electric scooter and I get a date and all this. That's probably the biggest thing I'm worried about is people, frankly, getting so lazy that nobody wants to work on the hard problems because it requires work. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that's so funny about that specific example about dating is, okay, so we're willing to trust that. Right. But the vaccine will kill you for sure. We should do a catapult white paper 
And we should just do the math. We have so many people, smart people in this community and do the math and say, actually, the odds are you'll meet a psychopath that will murder you and disassemble your body on Tinder. Uh, the odds are, are much greater for that than the vaccine's going to kill you, right? Like maybe we need exactly. some like just ridiculous, just ridiculous examples that'll make some people go, oh, wait, like I got, I got in an argument two weeks ago with a woman who said, we used to have polio, it's gone now. And it's like, do you realize why it's gone? <laughs> <laughs> it's gone because of a vaccine. <laughs> That's how it, it all works. started there. Oh and and the thing that tricks, you know, you, you talked about that, and, and look, I don't want to ramble on it too long, but you know, here, there are people in medicine, doctors and nurses, doctors and nurses, whose whole career is based on what medical science. Who are like, no vaccines. It's like you literally, your career is based on the thing you're saying. You now. Don't trust and needs to be invalidated. That's so weird to me. It's it is, and that's why. Oh God, humans! I've got to say, but it's it's also one of the things that I just recently was a part of was a group through NASA actually, and we all met. We were talking about how do we build the next community system so that we don't just do a redo of what we've done here from inequity, right, um, and all that sort of thing. And I really, I, this is two years ago. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. So to your point, the time is speeding up. And so people have to kind of allow allow yourself, your mind to be blown. With each new technological advancement, the next technological advancement got moved exponentially closer, right? Think of it just like quantum. If we use it as an example, 1927, fifth Soloway conference, Einstein and Schrodinger and Heisenberg and everybody Quantum mechanics is born. Not till 1980s, kind of in the 80s, MIT builds a machine, right? Do you, whatever. Then it goes a little further. Then in about 2017, you start seeing machine after machine after investment after progress after progress that just builds up and builds up. It, that will continue to go to a steeper and steeper uh, curve. And that's what's going to happen with everything. It's not just quantum, it's autonomous vehicles and robotics and the environment and all of that. And so, you know, the fact that people don't want to educate themselves on them and the fact that we're not having more conversations, you know, a friend of mine, Nick Farina, started a thing for ethics in quantum computing. And everybody thought it was ridiculous, kind of like the AI ethics effort. It's actually not ridiculous. It's 100% needed to have the conversations like you just described you had two years ago now, because by the time you think about it, oh, well, that's five years off. You know what? We're one discovery at this point in the history of humanity. We're one discovery away from, whoa, something magic happens. Whoa, there's superconductivity. Hey, maybe it's fusion, whatever. And those things are going to start accelerating us so fast into the future that we will get left behind or we'll create the greatest divide. We'll make the wealth gaps and the technological gaps and that we'll make the gaps between that look worse than anything you've ever seen in your life because the technology and the access to it is a huge huge gap now that's going to get increasingly bigger as we move forward into the future all right listen will william Hurley, always a pleasure i look forward to part two we're going to do another we're going to do a follow-up to see to see hopefully hopefully i have something exciting going on 
I, I think you'll on. have much. I don't think, I think excitement always goes on for you. So, but I just want to say seriously, thank you for all the work that you're doing. Um, thank you for daring to dream big. Thank you for frankly, finding purpose and really, really pushing others to do the same because the world is going to be such a better place and definitely one where all can flourish. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Take care. This is Kate Byrne with Catapult X. Thanks for downloading our podcast, Rebels with a Purpose, available wherever you get your podcasts. Look out for our next conversation with Arnold Raskin, founder of Streetwise. We'll talk about leadership, entrepreneurial spirit, education, and the wisdom of the streets. If you like what you hear in this series, join us in person at our upcoming Future Fest event. Yep, we're back in Oslo, Norway, May 18th through the 21st, 2022.